0: Anything Ask Alan anything Is it cold outside? Should I run and hide? How do I take my company worldwide? Do you love the law? Did you watch Hee Haw? What's the weirdest thing that you ever saw? What's it like in court? Favorite sport? Can you help with my book report? Is my hair too long? Am I right or wrong? And do you mind if I sing along to anything? Ask Alan anything
1: the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this uh, episode of uh, Ask Alan. I'm Alan Krohn, the CEO of the Krohn Law Firm, and I am uh, honored today uh, to have the uh, the Rabbi of the uh, of Temple Israel, Rab- Rabbi Micah Greenstein, as our guest today. Rabbi, thank you for uh, coming on the program.
0: Honored to be with you, Alan. Rabbis usually get asked things. Now I can ask Alan.
1: <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. So I got to tell you, you know, just right out of the the, the the gate here that you've got some big shoes to fill. Uh, your daughter, Kara, uh, was a guest on the show and she is one of the most viewed podcasts on our uh, of our series. Uh, she just knocked it out of the park. So uh, there'll be a little bit of inter- intra-family competition on who can get the most views, I think.
0: Well, there's no way I can fill her shoes, Alan because we wear different sizes, but uh, <laughs> i'm I'm known as caramelized daddy now. Uh, she's not known as the rabbi's daughter, so no competition. she wins
1: <laughs> well she she was a great guest and and she was one of those people that was uh, I didn't know her before and it was uh, just really uh, good to get to know her and and her all the things that she's doing. It's very very impressive. You must be very proud of 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 her. Thank you, I am. All right. Well, uh, how long, Rabbi, how long have you been in Memphis? 30 years, hard to believe,
0: more than half my life. I was born in Massachusetts, uh, raised in Jacksonville, Florida, with a brief stint in Dayton, Ohio, during the Vietnam years, where uh, my dad served as a rabbi and earned his PhD. But I've been here for 30.
1: Wow. So that, that kind of makes you a native, I think, if you've been here for 30 years. Well, isn't that made me a newcomer? If I've only been here thirty. No, well, you know, Memphis is um, uh, Memphis is you know as a river town. Uh, Doctor Charles Crawford, who was the state historian for a while, was my uh, Tennessee State History professor at uh, Memphis. And at that time, 1983, he said that there were no statues dedicated in Memphis to a native Memphian. That everybody that had a statue. Uh, uh, what came from somewhere else. And if you think about it, you know, Elvis Presley, even Boss Crump, B.B. Um, uh, B. B. King, they all came from uh, Mississippi or other places to Memphis. Uh, so I think 30 years, uh, if it doesn't make you an, uh, an actual Memphian, it certainly uh, makes you a, an honorary uh, Memphian. But I think 30 years is a good track record. Thank you.
0: Uh, never mind about me. That point you made, is an important corrective to the misperception. Um, Memphis is as much about newcomers as it is about natives. That's great, Alan.
1: I think it's, uh, you know, the first statue to a native Memphian was uh, dedicated to uh, uh, Mayor Harrington. It's out out near um, uh, Lamorne Owen College. Uh, Well, actually, I guess it's on the campus there. Uh, But he was the first, he was the first to do a lot of things. But uh, he was the first statue. and I, it may be the only one still. Uh, but Definitely. I think Memphis is well, let me ask you that. do you in coming to Memphis, um did you feel uh, welcomed, or did you feel like there was that you were an outsider and you had to gain uh, acceptance?
0: I found Memphis to be as warm and welcoming, uh, in fact, serving this congregation, so many of the thousands who've come through. Had to leave because of work. Uh, I never got over missing Memphis or leaving Memphis. I think once the city gets inside you, it's the last place that many of us ever expected to go to, but it's the last place we want to leave.
1: You know, I, I, as a native Memphian, uh, I hear a lot of people say that, and I think it's it's true. And a lot of my friends, uh, after high school or after college. They went away, they went to Atlanta or Houston, uh, and then they came back and had a new appreciation for, for the city.
0: Right, even uh, Kirk Whalem, my brother who does the mystic with me across town, he once told me before returning to run Soulsville and Stax that he was tired of being a hypocrite. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I grew up in Memphis and I was playing in LA and Paris and New York, and..." All I was doing was talking about Memphis, so I came home.
1: So you you went into the, I guess, into the family business. Uh, if your dad was a uh, a rabbi, you followed uh, in his footsteps. Was 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 that your motivation, or did you do it in spite of the fact that your dad was a was a rabbi?
0: Oh no, my father sent me to a psychiatrist to make sure I wasn't crazy.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: I actually, I explored public service um, at the Kennedy School after studying economics as an undergrad, but all my professors encouraged me um, if I had the opportunity to uh, transcend politics and apply leadership to this Jewish legacy, Um, especially in the South where the barometer um, of future Jewish life not only for Memphis, but really, Alan, for this entire region of the country, um, hinges on Temple Israel, staying vibrant and strong. Um, so I feel a real sense of mission in in being a rabbi, but especially um, in the South. Your listeners have probably heard about the the three, maybe two of the three narratives of Southern Judaism. Um, The first is always in the Wall Street Journal about the last dying Jew in the Delta (laughs) Um, or in Dothan, Alabama, they'll pay you $25,000 to move there. If you're Jewish, Um, that's how few Jews there are. You know, I call it hospice Judaism. That's an important stage of life, but it's not the only stage. Um, Then there's Atlanta, which has 175,000 Jews or Dallas that has 100,000 Jews. Memphis has only 9,000 Jewish people, men, women, and children, maybe 10,000 if you round it off. And um, we have over 300 members of Temple Israel over the age of uh, 80. Um, So we need to recruit and attract Jewish talent to Memphis for its future just as Temple Israel was so much a part of the past. Like when you think of medicine, names like Stern and Levy and Bronstein, or when you think about philanthropy with the plows or the arts with the shites. Um, a lot of people think there are a lot of Jews in Memphis. They're not that many. They just impacted um, our lives in, in deep and lasting ways. The fabric of the city and Temple Israel have been in- inextricably linked. Since 1854, this is the oldest and largest synagogue in the state of Tennessee. It was founded seven years before the Civil War in 1854.
1: Well, I knew that uh, it, it had been a- around for a while. I did not realize that it went back that that far. Where was it originally located?
0: It's a great question. A lot of people pass it by. If you've been to the Memphis Convention Center and it's about to be reopened, opposite the front door on the uh, grounds of the Federal Reserve Bank, there is a National Historic uh, Landmark, um, noting that the history of the oldest Jewish house of worship in the state of Tennessee was Erected right on that spot Um, and interestingly um, our midtown we have three we have three sites temple Israel we have this main campus Mm -hmm. in East Memphis. Um, We also have our midtown uh, satellite at crosstown which is really about social justice and spreading goodness. um, With our with our partners in in the city and it overlooks the temple building from 1925 to 1976, which everybody passes by and may not know it was the old temple. It's where Mississippi Boulevard is at Poplar-Montgomery. has a dome. It says, love thy neighbor as thyself. That was the temple building from 1925 to 1976 before this campus. And then our third site, which is also beautiful, Alan, is our cemetery, the oldest, most beautiful Cemetery, not just in Tennessee, but but really anywhere. It's kind of like the Elmwood Cemetery of Jewish life. Seven thousand souls buried there. It's in South Memphis, near Hernando and Person, eighteen acres, bordering Calvary Cemetery.
1: Yes. Well, since you brought up Calvary, which is the the Catholic cemetery. Uh, I'm going to ask you a uh, uh, maybe an off the wall question, but uh, I think there are a lot of similarities obviously between um, Judaism and Catholicism, both in terms of theology and, uh, but also um, culturally. And so my question is this, um, what's the challenge for Judaism? Because Catholicism is going through this right now, I think, between the people who identify from a cultural standpoint but not a religious standpoint. Uh, in other words, you know, in in Memphis, you were an Italian Catholic or a German Catholic or Irish Catholic, and that identity was kind of bound up in itself. Your cultural ethic, uh, eth- uh, uh, ethnic identity was bound up with your religious identity, and a lot of people still maintain that cultural identity as Catholics, but they They don't worship as Catholics. They've fallen away from the theology. My perception is that that has happened um, in Judaism, and if that's the case, what's the strategy to to try to re-evangelize, if you will, to borrow a Christian phrase, uh, those those folks who identify culturally but maybe not uh, spiritually?
0: Well, since neither Catholics nor Jews evangelize, uh, why don't we begin with a joke in response to your question. Right. Um, The joke is um, the Arkansas Southern Baptist minister um, said to me, you know, I don't understand why there are all these Catholics, Jews, Presbyterians, Methodists. Why can't we all just live under one big Baptist roof? <laughs> I think there's more than one way to be a Catholic. And there's more than one way to be Jewish. And I think the best definition of whatever religious tradition you come from is is what you're used to. You know, Judaism is not just about believing or behaving, it's about those, but it's also about belonging, feeling that you're a part of something larger. So uh, when I leave the temple cemetery and I, We'd go to St. Augustine Catholic Church, which is right there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful sense of community um, that's very different than St. Louis Catholic Church, our, our Thanksgiving partner, or the cathedral where Father Val um, was, or St. Peter's. So um, I, I you're, you're the lawyer and the business person. I see it as an opportunity when we think about religion in a more expansive way, about about the greater good and um, meeting people where they're at instead of trying to fit them in a box. And I think Memphis is a good microcosm of that possibility. Um, I think we we have a model interfaith community. Uh, a lot of cities make a big deal when a rabbi, a minister and a priest give a prayer at a, at a rotary lunch. Well, now, I led a trip to Israel with black Christians and I'm a white rabbi and you had uh, Catholics, Protestants, Jews, uh, oh, Muslims. I I think, (laughs) I'm not a social media person, but I was told that the most hits on anything I've done um, was in a mosque in the Memphis Islamic Center Mosque with um, Imam Sheikh Yasser Qadi, and uh, you may know Reverend Steve Stone. He's a a wonderful uh, Christian minister following the shooting um, and killing of innocent Muslims in New Zealand's Christ Church Mosque. So I I love the relationship between Catholics and Jews, between Jews, Christians, Muslims, Hindus. Uh, I think Memphis, is not appreciated for the depth and genuine nature of our relationships across religious lines, but also some Catholics are into social justice. Some are more into the sacraments. Some are into Catholic charities. Um, Who's better? I think the only wayward Catholic or wayward Jew, I don't like to use the word bad Catholic, is one who doesn't care, right? <laughs> there are different ways to care. I don't know if that makes sense. I, I don't know if that's what you're asking
1: me. Well, I, it, it, it's a great perspective on it. I guess my my question um, is how do you get the young people back? Well, yeah, I mean, how? there's a cultural part of, of, of the identity that and I'll just speak in terms of of Catholics. Yes, you know there's there's a, a part of the identity you can ask a lot of people. Well, I'm Catholic, uh, but what they really mean is I grew up Catholic and I still identify that. But I, I you know I don't know I don't have a relationship with with God, and I think we're struggling with the the kind of what you're talking about is not trying to force anybody into a um, a a box, but how do you reach out? The the, the uh, Pope uh, John Paul II called it the re-evangelization, the new evangelization, um, of of people born Catholic who aren't practicing anymore. And I I know personally a lot of folks who say, "Well, I'm Jewish, but you know, I really don't I don't practice." And um, I I hear what you're saying about about evangelization. Uh, and I think that does have a different tone in uh, from Judaism, uh, that my perception is. Um, but it also seems to me that that if you got to re, if you if you've got a, a heritage that is waning because of that pull between secularism and spirituality, that somehow you you, that I think that our church is looking for how do we invite people back into it so that they can get the benefits of, of the whole experience, not just one little part of the experience?
0: I think uh, it's a great question. I think by admitting that just as there's bad law and good law and bad doctors and good doctors, um, there's bad religion and bad science. And there's good religion. And I think we have to elevate what we mean by good religion. Whether you're Catholic, and and that is the religion that stresses what unites us and not what divides us. That if we're all God's children, we're all minorities in God's eyes. Even if there are 2 billion Christians in the world, there are almost 8 billion people, right? Right. Um, And to elevate that, you mentioned one of my heroes, You had mentioned that my daughter, Kara, was on this show now that she's caramelized blog, but after her bat mitzvah, when she was 13, I had the privilege of being uh, one of 40 people invited to go to the Vatican 40 years after Nostra Atate, uh, which was the Catholic Church's seminal work, which admitted it's ill treatment of Jews and persecution of Jews. And, and we went to meet the Holy Father, John Paul II. He actually was at Jumeli hospital. Uh, He was coming out of his illness. And you look at someone like him, you could attack the church for certain positions, um, problems with the institution, unconscionable deeds by certain individuals. But you look at what, you know, he used to play soccer in Poland where 10% of the population was Jewish. And it was a personal thing to him to ask forgiveness and to say, I am Joseph, your brother. See, that's good religion. Um, I think one of the main rules for interfaith relations is don't compare your best with their worst. Right. <laughs> elevate, elevate the best of what the faith offers and speak of a big God because when a lot of people talk about God, it may not be a God that you or I believe in. Um, For instance, a God who would whip and burn you in holy hell as you strive to be good. If God is like a parent and we're the children of God, what kind of parent would burn you? That would be a God who's into child abuse. I I wouldn't believe in a God like that. So I, I think it's, not just re-educating, but harnessing the best of what our faiths bring to the world. Because while there are bad doctors, we would not want to give up on medicine. While there may be bad cops, thank God for the police department. And while people have misapplied God and religion in the Catholic world, the Jewish world, the Protestant world, the Muslim world, uh, religion, at its core is about the difference we can make in this world as God's helping hands that we're all spirits with shells called bodies. And we're here to do the most that we can with the time that we have in the place where we are. That's my guiding mantra, 18 words, works for Catholics, Jews. Do the most that you can with the time that you have in the place where you are. And uh, Hopefully that's a God we can all believe in.
1: So in 2021, how are you living out that mantra? Oh, well,
0: you know, we haven't talked about the um, COVID pandemic year. Um, Temple is, if not the first house of worship to um, stop in-person indoor services We were right up there. March 11th was was when we stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, Researchers at St. Jude, who were involved in some of the other pandemics, um, told me what was ahead, and now it all came true. Um, So, this past year, 2020, 2021, Alan, it's been um, The most depleting, exhausting year in my 30 years um, because of the 24 7 uh, effects of COVID. Um, I'm dressed for um, the 60th funeral um, since last March, um, that I'll eulogize uh, another member of our congregation uh, in a few hours. Uh, Nine have died directly from COVID. So how we have had to pivot, I think you would say, would be to not only counsel the depressed, the isolated, the lonely, the relationships that haven't um, survived, but at the same time on the life side, do the weddings outside on these grounds, do the bar mitzvahs, do the baby naming. So I, I think 2020 2021 has made me appreciate this place as a spiritual anchor um, in people's lives. Um, 2021 is a no playbook time, right? I mean, there's no playbook for this. So we've had to harness creative energy to adapt and emerge through these times. Um, and I think just being a support and listening ear um, and, and giving needed encouragement while, while dealing with the strains of this moment. Um, it's like I live in two worlds, you probably do too. My family's fine, thank God, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, my day job is all about the people who are not fine.
1: Sure. Uh, are, are you? Is your congregation uh, still not having in-person uh, services?
0: So not to make it complicated, but <laughs> we do have life cycle events outside on these grounds and even there's a covered entryway. So we have had dozens and dozens of services outside for life cycle officiation, not just funerals, but all the celebrations as well. When it comes to in-person, inside worship, because that can't be controlled, we don't discriminate. Anyone can come to our services. Um, The medical advisors have told us uh, not to. Um, so we are not there yet. What that has meant though, is harnessing this creative platform and our virtual services have mushroomed. Um, I taught at this desk last night. We have 500 people studying at our TIU Temple Israel university at tiMemphis.org. Um, as I'm sure a lot of your guests have also shared, um, we haven't created a monster, but we've created a hybrid platform. So there's no going back. We're going to continue this and adapt at the end of summer as we approach the fall high holidays to some way of vaccinations required, masks preferred until the CDC tells us otherwise.
1: Yeah, I've uh, I've started uh, saying, instead of saying back to normal I say once the restrictions are lifted because I, I don't think we're going back to 2019 um, prior to you know prior to a year ago I could count on one hand probably one finger the number of times I used a virtual communication device like this um, now it's ubiquitous I, and I don't think that's going away um, I would imagine that you're you know that that even when you're back in the the the, uh, uh, the temple, uh, you're still going to probably stream those uh, those uh, services uh, because people will you know will want that for whatever reason. So uh, it won't be 20 2019, but I, I'm hopeful that 2021 and 2022 um, will be bigger and better than 2019.
0: I think that's right, Alan. Um, Not to give you a bad visual, but my father-in-law enjoys watching services in his pajamas um, (laughs) or boxers. And I don't know if he's gonna come back in person in 2021, but some people will and others will watch. I I forgot to mention to you as well, uh, on our clergy COVID task force, I know that you are on the mayor's task force and I've been involved um, in the faith community. Uh, I've grown to love and, and truly admire uh, your new bishop, Bishop Talley, whose uh, installation, consecration I attended, but I've really gotten to know through this. And in our small, small group, um, uh, bishops of the Kojic Church and Bishop Talley, Scott Morris, of course, who convenes us, the desire of parishioners to attend services and risk their health has beset all of our faith communities throughout these 12 months. And um, we've been fortunate here at Temple that the pressure has not been as great as I know it has been in some of the churches. Looking back on it, what's fascinating is other than our Temple, the communities that were most reluctant to begin in-person worship services, and some still haven't, were the predominantly African-American churches, Kojic, Mississippi Boulevard, my friend and um, brother Jason Turner who leads it, Mm -hmm. because there were Kojic ministers who died from COVID. And we know the disproportionate impact of this pandemic on communities of color. And then the other fascinating, uh, what community prays more than anyone every day? Muslims pray five times a day. And yet they, because many Muslims, uh, I shouldn't say that, many of our leading doctors and scientists happen to be Muslim, they didn't go back in person. So it's been a fascinating year looking back. And as you said, we got to plan ahead. It is going to be, I think, bigger, better, brighter. But uh, both platforms.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, you know, uh, Bishop Talley. I, I don't know if you. I, I'm. I'm actually a member uh, of the clergy. I'm i I'm a ordained deacon. I did not know that at the cathedral, and uh, you know, Bishop Talley really agonized over. Um, the lockdown and, and, and everything else. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be accused of, uh, of pandering, uh, but I really admired the way he, he uh, navigated through that because he, he got a lot of pressure from uh, a lot of people to just go right back uh, in, I think in the 1st of May in 2020. And he, and, and he uh, crafted a solution that I think has, has worked very well for us um but he did not take it lightly and uh uh it, it's a tough decision for everybody everybody have to uh, each you know faith tradition i think uh being in person has a different meaning and it at least in catholicism being in person has is always been very very important to as you to the sacrament so um it's it's one of those things, it's just, it's hard to do. And I think he's been very responsible about it. And I think uh, uh, one thing we've all learned, whether, as you said, whether you're Jewish or Christian or Muslim or anything else, I think we've all come to appreciate that uh, God made us to be communal creatures. You know, we are,
0: born, we, we are born for community. Um, I would say Uh, I still hold the same principle of erring on the side of life. It reminds me as you were speaking when I made rounds at the hospital years ago and one of the temple patients said, Rabbi, I would rather die with Dr. Bronstein or Dr. Wolf uh, than live with that other doctor who won't be mentioned. (laughs) And I said, I'm not sure how Bronstein and Wolf would feel about that. They would want you to see that doctor. And so it also has to do with the whole vaccinations, I'm sure in your law practice with, um, do you require vaccinations? And I know that is a raging issue in the employment world. And, and, And those who bring up Tuskegee, one of the myths, if we can just dispel it, is the men in Tuskegee were not poisoned. They were denied the medicine. They weren't given the shot because of their skin. And so now anyone who gets any of these shots, Johnson and Johnson, doesn't matter which, you're not gonna die from COVID. You may die from COVID if you don't get a shot. So um, we're still pretty consistent on that. Maybe not experiencing the same pressures that Bishop Talley received, but Judaism is all about community, as you know. Yeah. So it's been hard.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think it, it, it. Even if you're not a uh, religious person, I think you've you've come to learn how important other people are in your life, and uh, uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, you've got to always err on the side of health and safety and life. Um, and uh, you know, I haven't been one of those people that. I don't like wearing a mask any more than anybody else does. But uh, if um, I'm going to wear it because, uh, what you know, why not? I mean, uh, if it if it prevents one other person from getting sick, uh, then it's it's worth any inconvenience. It is to me. Um, well, let's look forward um, okay. what uh, what's next for uh, Temple Israel in its mission and its life. Um, after we, uh, we get past all of the, the current uh, restrictions, what, uh, where's a Temple Israel headed as a, as a congregation, where?
0: I think Temple Israel is headed in the same direction Memphis is hopefully headed. Um, what I mean by that is cultivating talent to create a future as glorious as the best of our past. Um, I know that whether it's Temple Israel rabbis or Memphis city or business leaders, we all say that we believe in the next generation. Um, We need to shoulder tap the talent and literally not be afraid to hand them the keys to uh, take us in, in that forward direction. Um, so I'm excited, uh, understand again, Memphis is not the most desirable city to move to if you are a Jewish leader, why? This is the last large synagogue left, south of St. Louis, west of Nashville, east of Denver, Temple of Israel in a five state region. So if you are a Jewish leader who wants to be in a larger Jewish community with more going on Jewishly, you would go to LA or Chicago or New York or Miami or Atlanta or even Dallas um, places or Houston, places where I was thinking about actually going after spending a few years here early on. So... Where Temple is headed is finding those leaders, both lay and clergy who could live anywhere in the country but have chosen Memphis because of our mission to keep alive this precious legacy, not just for a synagogue but for most of this entire region and uh, I'm very excited that we've been successful in that respect. We, um, I've had 12 rabbis um, and cantors and educators uh, alongside me um, who bought into this mission of Memphis Tomorrow. I know that's a brand, mm-hmm. but, but that you can make an impact um, that you would not be able to make in a city with 40 synagogues or 200,000 Jews or 2 million Jews in New York. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm very excited about the team that's headed here and that is already alongside me, um, educationally, musically, spiritually, pastorally, communally. So uh, I, I think Memphis's best days and Temple's best days are hopefully ahead.
1: Well, very good. Well, that's a good place to leave it. Uh, Uh, Rabbi, I I appreciate your time and the conversation. I've enjoyed uh, exploring uh, all of these issues with you and uh, I look forward to uh, very soon seeing you around town uh, once again.
0: Likewise, Alan, it's really an honor and a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for our conversation. I'm not sure what we talked about, but hopefully um, it was good. You look well and I hope you feel good.
1: I, I, you know, it's better to look good than to feel good, but
0: uh, <laughs> that's why I'm asking,
1: but I feel good. I feel good. I appreciate it. I hope uh, you continue to be well as, as, uh, as well. And, uh, I'll just say to everybody who's listened, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And of course you enjoyed it. It was a great, a great show. Please share this, uh, on social media or forward the email to someone that you think might, uh, might enjoy the program. Um, email me if you, uh, like to suggest a future guest uh, or if you have a, a an ask Alan question and you see the email there on the screen so uh for ask Alan this is Alan Crone I'm gonna go get some justice rabbi I'm 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 sorry you've got another uh, funeral today but uh um, may God bless you and bless the congregation at uh, Temple Israel
0: bless you friend thank All you
1: right. so much thank you